described by uh, Middleveen Stricker and uh, Fessler, I believe, is the other author on that paper. We've talked about this paper before. It was a suggested um, research paper to review by uh, a listener and a fellow podcaster speaking out about about Morgulons. Knowledge is power, unless, of course, you're um, an elected official in the United States. Then um, power is money. Okay, uh, thanks for listening and stay tuned. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get this party started. It's all about the research, y'all. Okay, so this paper is called History of Morgulon's Disease from Delusion to Definition. Marianne J. Middleveen, Melissa C. Fessler, and Raphael B. Stricker. Stricker, Stricker. Um, I'm, I'm going to skip the abstract um, and go straight to the introduction in the full, full text. Okay, Morgulon's disease, MD, is a disfiguring and perplexing skin condition associated with spirit kettle infection and tick-borne illness. Um, tick-borne illness such as Lyme's, uh, Lyme disease. And uh, Lyme disease is caused by a bacteria in the spirochetal, spirochetal, they're spirochetes, they're spiral-shaped. Um, okay, so this poorly understood condition has a worldwide distribution with estimated self-reported cases numbering over 14,000 in 2009. So this was published in 2018, this paper. So the most recent data they had at that point was self-reported uh, cases uh, from, that were nine years old. Uh, we really need uh, current and up-to-date uh, demographic epidemiological uh, information to see you know what the trend is is this getting worse is it staying is it plateaued you know um, my guess would be that there's more cases now than ever but that's a guess that's why we need research since that time there's been an increasing number of individuals reported to be afflicted with this disorder the distinguishing diagnostic feature of md more lung disease is spontaneously appearing ulcerative skin lesions that contain unusual filaments lying under embedded in or projecting from the skin in my case coming out of the skin like all the time y'all i had a new morgulon the other night that i've never seen before To describe them, I guess I could just say that they were um, cold droplets of water, mostly clear, and one very dark shit brown. Um, Pretty disturbing. Uh, Anyway, um, the characteristic filaments are microscopic, visually resembling textile fibers, and are 
white, black, or a more vibrant color, such as red or blue. Okay, I don't get this part. The characteristic filaments are microscopic. What does that mean? I mean, they're not microscopic, they're macroscopic. Microscopic means you need a microscope to see it. Macroscopic means you can see it with an unaided eye. Now, don't get me wrong, they're tiny. These are tiny little shits. They're like one millimeter, sometimes less, but you can still see them. So, I don't know. That's always confusing uh, wording and language to me when I read these research papers. Um, In addition to fiber production, some patients may experience formication. Remember, that's the feeling of bugs crawling on your skin. Described as stinging, biting, creeping, and crawling sensations. Okay. The symptoms of MD are not limited to the skin. MD patients experience a variety of systemic manifestations such as fatigue, joint pain, cardiac complications, cognitive difficulties, and neuropathy. All symptoms that are commonly reported by Lyme disease patients. Neuropathy um, means... uh, Pathy, whenever you see that, is uh, disease. And neuro, in this case, doesn't mean like your brain neuro. It means nerves. So when you have disease of your nerves, it can cause, like a lot of people with type 2 diabetes, they uh, have numbness, you know, in their feet or tingling, pins and needles kind of sensation. That's neuropathy. Um, Okay. History. The name Morgulons, pronounced with either a hard or soft G, unless you're on more Morgulons, and <laughs> we call it Morgulons. Uh, sometimes, more, they say, I think it's Morgellons or Morgellons is the way everybody else says it, but I just like Morgulons. Okay, it comes from a letter written in 1674 by Sir Thomas Brown. We know about this guy, an English physician. The letter contains a brief description of a skin disease in French children. Hairs which have most amused me have not been in the face or head, but on the back, and not in men but children, as I long ago observed in that endemial distemper of little children in Languedoc, called the Morgulons, wherein they critically break out with harsh hairs on their backs, which takes off the unquiet symptoms of the disease and delivers them from coughs and convulsions. Um, yeah, so first of all, uh, Sir Thomas, uh, it's amusing to you that these little kids have... Uh, breaking out in harsh hairs on their backs, which takes off the unquiet symptoms of the disease. I guess, um, I, I still don't, never have understood this last sentence. Delivers them from coughs and convulsions. Is he saying, um, that it relieves coughs and convulsions? What are the unquiet symptoms of the disease? I never understood that. And I just, I'm not even sure if what he's describing is what we're experiencing. But anyway, Brown's description of the Morgulons and other historical accounts of similar maladies date from 1544 to 1884 and were found in Brown's library in 1935 by Kellett, who then summarized and discussed them. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know that. The accounts by Brown and others were likely referring to a heterogeneous group of skin conditions. Heterogeneous means not the same. Uh, okay, not in, as opposed to homogeneous. They were, all the skin conditions were just alike. So these were a heterogeneous group of skin conditions that may have differed from the skin condition that we refer to as MD today. These early accounts describe primarily childhood illnesses, many of which were associated with convulsions. Oh, okay, thanks y'all for explaining that. There is mention of hairs, worms with black protruding heads, or comedones, remember those are blackheads, or, or comedones that protrude from the skin, primarily on the arms, legs, and back, and at that time, there was much debate as to whether those objects were animate or inanimate. Still trying to freaking figure that out, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Still can't decide whether mine are animate or inanimate. 
at Mueller, for example, provided a drawing of infesting organisms that look like various arthropods, some resembling scabies mites. While the, uh, I, I've seen shit like that, y'all. While the famous Dutch microscopist Leeuwenhoek, uh, Leeuwenhoek concluded that such objects were inanimate. inanimate. Uh, yeah, I can't even, I'm not even sure, y'all. I can't decide. In 1894, Thybirge described patients who had erroneous and unshakable beliefs of skin infestation by parasites and proposed the name acaraphobia. Um... In 1946, Wilson and Miller suggested that acarophobia should be replaced by the name Delusions of Parasitosis. Um, From 1902 to 1938, case studies describing parasitophobias and dermatological hypochondriasis um, hypochondria, you know, that resulted in delusional interpretation of skin sensations were published sporadically. However, as early as 1935, an association between spiraketal infection and DOP, that's the delusions of parasitism, was documented by the French physician V, who reported that six of eight of the subjects in his case studies had syphilis, which is also a spirochete uh, bacteria. In 1938, a pivotal narrative of DOP was published by Ekbom, that fucking loser, a series of case studies describing patients who had sensations of movement and the belief that insects were crawling on or under skin. Ekbom felt that determining the underlying cause of the formication was important, stating that, quote, it is the underlying illness that determines the overall presentation of the beliefs. And, quote, it is perhaps too simple that the parasitophobias should be considered as mental illness and nothing more. Okay, maybe he's not a fucking loser. I, I mean, no one ever includes that in their little histories that they write up. This is much more, um, much more information than we got from that other history, uh, paper that we read that was total bullshit. Interesting. Like V, Ekbom found that spear kettle infection was present in his patient cohort and three of Ekbom's seven patients had documented cases of syphilis. Despite the fact that syphilis was considered rare in Sweden, Ekbom did not believe that spear kettle infection was a contributing factor. Um, Interesting. I wonder why. Ekbom reported that the skin sensations consisted mostly of itching, but also that there was a feeling that something was crawling on or under the skin and that stabbing and biting sensations could also occur. He mentioned that in such cases, little animal specimens, quote unquote, were sometimes brought in by patients to show to physicians and that such collections consisted of, quote, little hairs, little threads, grains of sand, and skin scales. He noted that apart from delusional ideas of infestation, no consistent mental problems were present. Although Ekbom could not find any arthropods, parasites, or other microscopic animals, it is important to note that he found hairs, quote, little threads, and, quote, grains of sand in in patient specimens. Um, His description is consistent with the findings of unusual hairs, fibers, and hardened comedo-like dermatological objects that we see in MD specimens. Such objects will be discussed in depth later in this report. Sweet. Okay. Um, It is possible that patients in the case studies written by other physicians and mentioned by Ekbom had syphilis or other spirochetal infections. The causative agent of syphilis was first reported in 1905 by Fritz Chaudin and Eric Hoffman, who used dark field microscopy and described spiral-shaped bacteria, spirochetta pallida, now called treponema pallidum, The first test for syphilis was developed shortly afterward in 1906. Um, Still faster than the CDC getting those corona test viruses. 
coronavirus test out. Um, yeah, CDC. Wow. Um, afterward, 1906, by German physician and bacteriologist August von Wasserman. The Wasserman test was a complement fixation test that detected antibodies reactive to the syphilis spirochete. The Wasserman test performed in the 1920s and 30s lacked accuracy, and cases of syphilis among patients with delusional parasitosis may have gone unacknowledged as a result. Um, so that's probably something that's common throughout history. You know, it's like when you detect a new, um, pathogen in the population, like for instance, Lyme disease, um, or syphilis in this case as well. When you first detect it, probably your first set of tests are not going to be super accurate. We've seen that with the coronavirus case, uh, gosh, coronavirus tests as well. They have not, uh, shown to have high uh, accuracy and a lot of false negatives um, have been reported up to uh, like 30% or something. Um, so, yeah, so you know, she's just making that point to say that you know, he didn't think that his patients had syphilis, or he and other physicians didn't think that they, you know, could have had a spirochetal infection related to the Morgulon symptoms. Um, that they called, quote, delusional parasitosis, but it very well could have been because the cases could have gone undetected because testing sucked, okay? So regardless of the test accuracy for syphilis, it is possible that some of the patients described in these historical cases may have been infected with Borrelia species, those bacterial species that cause uh, Lyme disease and other co-infections that occur with Lyme disease. Other treponemes, treponemes, or uh, remember that was the syphilis type bacteria, treponemes, because there's more, there's like trepanemes, Treponema uh, denticola, the one that causes periodontis as well. So, uh, or Leptospira species or B. burgdorferi uh, is not a new organism. The earliest known case dates back 5,300 years in the mummy dubbed Otzi. Uh, and Borrelia DNA was also detected in two museum specimens of the white-footed mouse. Uh, collected in 1894. So saying, you know, just because we just figured out Lyme disease was caused by this bacteria doesn't mean that Lyme disease didn't exist before that. Um, Okay, so uh, in other types of Borrelia infections. Uh, Spirochetes resembling Borrelia have also been found in amber fossilized ticks from 15 to 20 million years ago. Therefore, spirochetal infections associated with MD may have occurred periodically hundreds or even thousands of years ago in human history, yet have gone unrecognized and unreported. Um, there's a brief mention of, quote, the Morgulons by Emsley Smith in 1946 when he proposes that the condition was a form of myiasis caused by the larva of a hypoderma species. That is a fly, a type of fly. Myiasis is when flies lay eggs under your skin. Although his account did not provide convincing evidence to support his theory, in a 1983 lecture, Lyell described a survey of several hundred dermatologists treating patients with DOP who reported that many of their patients exhibited specimens in matchboxes, baggies, scraps of paper, or photographs. Lyell labeled this practice the, quote, matchbox sign. Lyell, oh, you have caused a lot of pain and suffering in your life. The survey was reported in a short editorial in The Lancet, after which the matchbox sign was adopted by dermatologists as being proof of delusional mental illness. So you get this, this is not in a peer-reviewed paper, it's in an editorial in The Lancet, like a letter that somebody wrote in about, uh, you know, like 
well, an editorial is not quite a letter, but that'd be a letter to the editor. But basically, you you hear what I'm saying, right? This is not peer-reviewed research. It's just some guy, you know, jacking off at the podium at some medical conference, like saying that he's got something figured out. It's totally uh, intellectually, completely invalid, but um, it's just a way to confirm uh, a bias. It's called confirmation bias. <laughs> um and it's not rational. Likewise, the manipulation of skin to extract specimens for relief was also considered to be proof of having a delusional disorder, and this practice was labeled the tweezer sign. That's the first I've ever heard of that. Um, after Emsley Smith's mention of MD in 1946, there were no significant references to MD in medical literature until 2002. In 2001, biologist Mary Leto noted non-healing lesions on her young son who complained that he had bugs under his skin. She removed a scab, and upon magnification, she did not see arthropods or parasites, but she did see embedded blue and red filaments. Leto searched the internet looking for similar conditions, and Brown's description bore a resemblance to her son's condition, so she appropriated the name. Leto subsequently fo founded the not-for-profit Morgulans Research Foundation. The Morgulans Research Foundation website included a database where those with the disorder could self-report their skin and systemic symptoms. Leto did not get answers from the mainstream medical establishment. She sought help from many doctors. Um, remember in that other paper about the history of Morgulans that was bullshit? They said she did not seek medical um, consultation. Well, I mean, I'm sure she did, like any normal parent would. I mean, I don't know why they said that. Um, yeah, they're liars. Um, so, including Fred Heldrick, a Johns Hopkins pediatrician, who arrived at the conclusion that Leto should not use her son to, quote, explore the problem and that she could benefit from a psychiatric evaluation. So he's basically accusing her of having Munchausen's by proxy. Yeah. Leto gathered a group of patient advocates, medical practitioners, physicians, and nurses into a volunteer board of directors, go girl, which included Georgia-based pediatrician Greg Smith, Texas-based nurse practitioner Virginia Savely, patient advocates Charles E. Homan and Cindy Casey Homan, and former National Aeronautics and Space Administration physician and researcher William Harvey. He's a NASA guy. Um, so we got some, like, pretty, you know, um, <coughs> uh, solid people that kind of seem to have some credibility. I don't know why we don't assume credibility um, until proven uh, otherwise, but uh, that's the society we live in. Um, Leto also sought help from Randy Wymore, a pharmacology professor at o Oklahoma State University. Randy! In 2006, Dan Rutz, a spokesman for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, contacted Leto and said that the CDC would form a task force to investigate MD, declaring that, quote, these people deserve more than to be blown off. Yeah, we still do. Still do. And we will not be blown off because we're going to keep talking. Um, the CDC published their study results in 2012, declaring the MD was similar to more commonly recognized conditions such as delusional infestation. <sighs> As of 2012, Leto had withdrawn from the public eye and closed the MRF, that the research foundation. The website run by the MRF is no longer active, and the doma domain name was taken over by others, now promoting fringe etio etiologic theories of MD. We're definitely going to check out that webpage one day, because I, I happened upon it somehow uh, recently, and uh, yeah, it is pretty out there. Now, I wouldn't be so fast to discount any theory um, without really doing a thorough investigation um, just because there has been some 
you know, investigation of this morgue lines and easy answers are still not forthcoming. Um, but, uh, yeah, do I think that, um, you know, evil government actors or the Illuminati or some shit has like put nanobots in my, probably not. No, no, I don't think so. But there could be more to it than just uh, spirochetes as well. I'll say that. Um, diagnosing MD. In light of previous studies of MD, a case definition for MD is proposed um, and a somatic LD, Lyme disease, like illness associated with spontaneously appearing, slowly healing, filamentous, ulcerative skin lesions with the key diagnostic criterion being colored white or black filaments protruding from or embedded in skin. I think that's a really good, yeah, that is the key diagnostic criteria. That's what makes Morgulons Morgulons. It's the Morgulons. Okay. Patients diagnosed with MD either by self-diagnosis or by a healthcare practitioner are not a homogenous group. We're not all alike, thus highlighting the need for a universally accepted case definition. Filaments in MD lesions usually require magnification of 50 times or more to be seen. And at that magnification, they can be mistaken for textile fibers. Healthcare providers need to be objective when viewing these fibers. A patient must have unusual filaments visible under 50 times magnification or higher, as opposed to the magnification of 10 times normally used in dermatology and embedded in or extruding from skin to be diagnosed with MD. The filaments are relatively easy to see with proper visualization tools and detectable fibers should not be automatically dismissed as self-implanted or composed of synthetic substances without an appropriate evaluation. Mental health status is not a diagnostic factor in MD cases as outlined herein. Um, I like it. I don't quite understand why it has to be 50 times magnification. I can absolutely see with my eyes, my normal old person, 39 year old person eyeballs, um, and very nearsighted indeed. But yes, when I have my contacts in or my glasses on, I can see these things. So I don't really, I don't really get this, but I guess they're just trying to be super careful, um, just to make sure because we have been so delegitimized and discredited, just saying like, look, (laughs) these things were not self-implanted. We can see them at 50 times magnification, embedded in, extruding in the skin. They're not self-implanted. These things arose from some other ideologic pathophysiological cause, not from mental illness. Okay, controversy. Unlike Ekbaum, who was concerned about the underlying cause of DP, delusional parasitism, many modern day practitioners and scientists have ignored the potential underlying causes responsible for formication and beliefs of infestation. It is easier to declare mental illness the exclusive etiologic cause, thus blaming the patient when confronted with perplexing symptoms that the practitioner cannot explain. Hallelujah, amen. However, it is irresponsible to label a patient delusional without an appropriate psychiatric evaluation. And if mental illness is present, a physician should bear in mind that an underlying infectious process can cause a a pathological response resulting in in mental illness. Um, (coughs) We know this is true. We know this is true. Syphilis itself causes uh, mental illness in its tertiary or third and final uh, stage of progression. Um, A PubMed search using the keyword Morgulons yielded 58 articles, the earliest dating from 1946. From 2006 to present, medical literature is divided into two polarized points of view. One point of view is that MD is a form of delusional mental illness, and the other is that underlying spear kettle infection causes a filamentous dermopathy that is accompanied by an array of LD-like multi-system symptoms that may or may not include neuropsychiatric symptoms. 
there are approximately 40 papers in the medical literature proposing that MD is purely a delusional disorder. Boo! And only a quarter of that figure proposing that MD has an infectious etiology. Well, thank you three for writing one of the good papers. Okay, diagnosing delusional disorder. Uh, the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, uh, DSM-5, makes no mention of a diagnosis of DOP. The closest diagnosis is delusional disorder somatic type, which is defined thus. Presence of one or more delusions with a duration of one month or longer. Criteria for schizophrenia have never been met. Note, hallucinations of present are not prominent and are related to the delusional theme, e.g. the sensation of being infected with insects is associated with delusions of infestation. So they're saying that, that we don't count, uh, if, if a person is, quote, hallucinating the feelings of formication on the skin and it's associated with this delusion, then that's not schizophrenia. That's a different thing. Okay. Yeah. Apart, how can you tell a person that their senses are wrong? You have no way of empirically, rationally, objectively making that statement. You're just fucking slandering the person. I don't even, I don't even, where do you get off, you know? Okay, anyway, apart from the impact of the delusions or its ramifications, functioning is not markedly impaired and behavior is not obviously bizarre or odd. Well, obviously, I stand as a testament against that because I'm very bizarre and odd. But I'm also highly functioning. Okay, anyway, if manic, and I'm not delusional, um, if manic or major depressive episodes have occurred, these have been brief relative to the duration of the delusional periods. So what they're saying is if you've had mania, which is like uh, happy on steroids, um, you know, just talking constantly, not sleeping, not eating, just like, I am going to win the lottery i just have to sell my house and cash in these college savings uh, accounts for my children and you know that kind of mania um okay so a major depressive episode. if they've occurred if a person has had depression or mania these episodes have been brief relative to the duration of the delusional periods so we're saying that if you've got this delusion for a month that you have an infestation um then your manic or depressive episodes, um, these have been brief relative to the... So basically, you've never been manic or depressed. Um, because if you had been, then they might say, well, you're a manic depressive or you're a depressive. This is depression with psychotic features. Um, that would be the, the other diagnosis that they would pull out of their ass. Um, anyway... Okay, the disturbance is not better explained by another mental disorder, such as obsessive-compulsive disorder, and is not due to the physiological effects of a substance or medication or another medical condition. So right here in the definition, they're saying, well, it can't be delusional parasitosis if it could be something else. Um, we're not going to look into that about what it else it could be, but, um, but yeah. That's part of the diagnostic criteria. <laughs> Somatic type delusional disorders manifest with core beliefs concerning bodily functions or sensations. Uh, core beliefs. Okay. Manshrek stated that the diagnosis of delusional disorder should be a diagnosis of exclusion. And he outlined three steps for evaluating patients with delusions. Um, 
I don't know who Man Shrek is. He's just some Shrek man. Okay, the first step is to establish if pathology is present. The next, this step requires clinical judgment to distinguish among a true observation, a firm belief, an overvalued idea, and a delusion. He states that a comment that at first appears delusional can prove to be factual, and some reports that seem believable uh, may later be found to be delusional. So he's just saying be objective, like check out what's going on like in a truly objective and thorough manner uh, before you uh, yourself uh, establish a firm uh, belief about something. Uh, make sure you're not delusional. Uh, therefore, he recommended that rather than the truth or falseness of a belief, the extremeness or inappropriateness of a patient's behavior may be the determining factor leading to a diagnosis of delusional disorder. For instance, if um, a person burned down their house because they believed it was infested, then we might be uh, dealing with a mental illness, right? You know, um, makes sense to me. Uh, okay. So in other words, one must first establish that a belief is delusional and not the result of an underlying somatic illness. The second step involves determining if characteristics associated with delusions, such as confusion, agitation, perceptual disturbances, physical symptoms, and mood abnormalities are present. So yeah, most people that have Delusions also have those other things, confusion, agitation, perceptual disturbances, physical symptoms, and mood abnormalities. So, um, you know, somebody like me, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not confused. I'm not agitated until I read bullshit um, on the internet saying I have delusions when I don't. Uh, perceptual disturbances, I see just fine, except for being old and nearsighted, but I do see just fine with corrected vision. Um, and physical symptoms, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of here nor there. I don't have any though, except for the weird shit coming out of my skin, um, and mood abnormalities. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, it's really like, it's just not reasonable to believe that somebody has a delusion, but they're otherwise completely pretty much just a normal, healthy person. It's just, it's just very unlikely. It just doesn't really happen. Um, the third step is performing a systematic differential diagnosis, including a thorough history, mental status examination, and laboratory radiological evaluation like x-rays to rule out other medical and psychiatric conditions that present with delusions. Um, the status examination, like a brain tumor, could easily present as a delusion. Um, let's see. Where was I? I'm so sorry. Auditory or visual hallucinations are indicative of more severe psychotic disorders, such as schizophrenia, and suggest exclusion of a delusional disorder. The differential diagnosis should exclude medical conditions that can cause delusions, such as neurodegenerative or other central nervous system disorders, vascular diseases, she means like stroke or something, <clears throat> uh, like, like, like mini strokes, ischemic strokes can some, sometimes present as neurodegenerative uh, symptoms like delusions. Uh, vitamin deficiencies, uh, I know B is one of them that causes it. And um, <coughs> uh, let's see, medications, right, right, right. Metabolic and endocrine disorders, toxins, and infectious diseases. Note that spirit kettle infection, infections such as syphilis and LD could cause symptoms that fall into this category. Um, I don't really know why they're making this point because it's like if you're present, if you have LD, you're not presenting with a delusion. 
you're presenting with Lyme disease. Like, if you have, uh, yeah, I just don't really, like, if you present with a delusion and syphilis, which I, I really find that to be, uh, like, far-fetched, but, I mean, it's like, you're not going to notice the, like, rash on your palms and stuff and the big sore, um, you know, that you get when you get syphilis. I mean, it's just so, yeah, I don't know. Eh, let's not kowtow or bow to the medical uh, mainstream with bullshit of their flavor. I'm just saying, guys, because um, it's, 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 I'm not buying into that construct where I have to establish how credible and important and how much authority I have to be believed. You believe me until you have a reason not to believe me, period. You know what I mean? I don't have to suck up to you. You know, that's what drives me crazy is that this particular disease is one that is unlike any other condition. When I go into the doctor uh, and if I have these symptoms of, uh, you know, I got a sore throat, I got a headache, I got a cough, I don't have to prove my credibility. They're not like, oh, really, quote, sore throat. (laughs) Um, I mean, like, what? Cancer patients don't have to prove their credibility, you know? And it's like, why is it that Morgulon's patients have to prove our credibility before anyone will even listen to us or take us seriously? When it's your job to listen, take seriously, and investigate. And just because you don't immediately come up with an easy answer, the conclusion is not, let me discredit what the patient is experiencing when I have no basis to do that except for the fact that I haven't found what's causing them to feel and experience and see these things that they're reporting to me. I mean, obviously we have to remain critical and analytical. There are people out there who go to the doctor and bullshit like you would not believe. Um, but, you know, they have, an, they have a problem too. It's called bullshit disorder. Um, it's spreading rapidly. Um, anyway, I'm just, uh, I'm kind of out of breath because I'm just like so hyped up about um, this paper and how awesome it is to actually read something that is thorough and any criticisms that I may have of the paper um, <clears throat> as we go along and finish this tomorrow, I, I say with, um, you know, acknowledging that I have a lot of gratitude for the work that these researchers, uh, all, th- all three of them, uh, have done in this paper um, to advocate uh, for Morgulon's patients uh, and to um, disassemble the uh, flawed uh, arguments of the mainstream community who think that Morgulon's is a flavor of delusional parasitosis when it is clearly not. Um, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day today, and I am always thinking about and thankful for you guys for listening. Um, don't know what you're going through or what brought you to more Morgulons, but um, if you uh, need a friend or someone to uh, you know discuss an issue that you haven't heard discussed anywhere else, leave a comment. I'd be happy to uh, help out in any way if I can. And um, I will be back tomorrow. Stay tuned.